go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson runs to the line. He's got Buxton with him. It's been put on the toe. It's going to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window will get their second. You always think of Lee Carson, Newcastle, Hunters, Hunters, Rugby League. Welcome back to another episode of League at Castle Legends. I am, of course, your host, Chris McPherson. Today, we are very fortunate to have a guest who played 67 games for the Newcastle Knights. He also spent a couple of seasons at the Cronulla Sharks, turning out 21 times for them. He's represented his home nation of Samoa uh, a handful of times as well, and has got plenty of other stories outside of that to boot. He took a very unique path to the NRL, and uh, we're... Pleased to welcome Mark Tafua to the show. Welcome, Mark. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having me. No problem at all, mate. Uh, it was by a popular request. We've had a few people reaching out suggesting that off the back of our recent episodes with Josh Mantelato and Daniel Abraham that you'd be a great guest to have on. So looking forward to it, mate. We might, I guess, start out. Your background, your your old man, he came over here from, uh, was it from New Zealand originally? Yep, yep. Came from New Zealand straight over here. I guess you, you were brought up in the Newcastle area. Your old man, as a few people reached out to the show earlier in the week, he was a bit of a boxer, pretty pretty handy back in his day, and then uh, you you were brought brought up here and uh, in in a fairly sporting family. Yeah, yeah. My dad was pretty he was pretty sporty, so um, like he doesn't really talk about it that much. But like um, he'd always had like photos around the house. So he's, um, he's represented like um, Auckland, like in provincial uh, rugby rugby union, and then um, also he uh, played some basketball as well. Um, but he's a really good rugby union player before he came over here, and uh, I think he played a bit of rugby here as well. And then um, yeah, he was boxing as well. But so I went over growing up. Man, man of many talents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, he likes to um, brag it out. Like I, I got it all from him. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> He's passed on. There's plenty of sport in your family, which we'll get into in a second, I guess. So, growing growing up, um, obviously, you spent a lot of time sort of in the Maitland area. Do you want to talk to us about you know growing up and where you grew up and and your first taste of footy? Yeah, so I was I'm one of six children. Um, I'm in the middle. So my older siblings were born in New Zealand. I was the first one, and my two younger ones, the only ones born here in um, Newcastle. Born in the Mater Hospital there in Waratah. Grew up in Woodbury, poor Woodbury as well, and then I went around Greenway. Played my junior footy with the Woodbury. Um, and then um, yeah, I was, I was, I was. People don't understand. Like I was probably the crappiest player in my team. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it was, but like I, my younger brother, like he was the gun in my family. So my dad was pretty. He was pretty hard. He was a hard taskmaster, like taskmaster, and you know always compared us and. I got to know like work now from how, how I've been brought up or not to, like what not to do like in terms of you know comparing your comparing your kids and you know because I, I was rubbish I knew I was rubbish the only person that came and me was my mum so you know you could you could play bad but my mum would always be there <laughs> you play good son you play good but deep down inside I knew I played crap I think that's a, that's but, a um, common just, thing yeah. That's a bit of a common thing yeah, in Pacific yeah. Islander families, especially. We see very hard taskmasters with the parents, especially generational ones that have come out from either New Zealand or the island. So it instills a different yeah. level, in, I guess, in some of the players that have come through, though. Yeah. Well, he's just... Um, my brother, he was, he was really good. Like, he, he was just talented, my brother was. But, um, yeah, my, my dad used to just compare us all the time. And, you know, like, my dad was just, like, just so hard. I was just... I, I can't believe it was some of the stuff that he, like, he would do, like, with some of, like, what he, what he did to my brother and I. Like, you know, we were playing back. Like people that are there, he's just playing bad. He's like, you get a lift with, you know, you always get a lift with game. But if you're playing bad, you just see he had like a yellow car and it just drive off at half time. You're coming into the shed, see, half time. If you're playing bad, he just drive off. 
the half time when you come in, you know, get to the coach hall, you know, you'd be asking your mates, can I get a lift home? That's like a true story. We were like, you know, if, if, if people did that these days, you'd get in trouble big time. You'd be looking for new parents or something. But yeah. that, was just, that, that was just how my old man was. Like, you know, it was either one way or the highway. Played back, you know, he didn't want I just kind of made us a bit harder as well, like um, my brother and I. So it is what it is, and it makes makes it better. Yeah, it takes tough love to another level, and you know, obviously, yeah, obviously, as you said, you played your junior junior footy there at uh, Fred Harvey Oval with Woodbury, and um, then uh, a little bit later on, mate, you, you decided to make the move cross codes and, and spend a bit of time with the Waratahs in, in Newcastle and Hunter Rugby Union. Yeah, yeah, I just um, I just I just stopped playing footy like for a little bit. Um, I think all my friends like went their separate ways. Like some some went play west, and some went like stuff. I just I don't know. I just I just I was just playing it for, you know, back to the home age of, you know, just, um, that mateship there. And then, yeah, I, just, I don't know if I just got playing for a bit. And then um, one of my mates um, told me that, you know, they'd come over run with rugby. I was, I was getting in a bit of trouble at the time as well. I had a, had a couple of weeks where um, they were saying, mate, you need, to, you need to go do a sport or, you know, you're going to find yourself in jail. Um, so one of my mates reached out and just said, you know, come over run playing rugby. So I just went over there to, just for, just, just to um, keep him happy. So I went over there and had, had a bit of fun. And, yeah, I enjoyed it. And then got that mateship back again, that feeling that, you know, I just want to play with your mates, but I enjoy you know, playing rugby, I'm playing rugby. And you obviously took to it pretty well because, you know, within next to no time, we'll say, but over, over the next few years and in the senior ranks, you made your way through to playing for Newcastle and New South Wales country in the rugby union? Yeah, yeah. I just, um, I, just, I don't know, it's just something just quick. Um, I don't know if it was, uh, you know, like um, just thinking of all the times, because I, I always used to think, you know, when I was like smashing someone, that was me dad. I don't know if it was just like flashbacks <laughs> of what he did to me. But that's, that, that was like, like I was um, I don't know, just, just the, the penny just dropped and I just had this aggression where, you know, I think um, after going to court and hearing the judge saying, you know, you're going to jail soon, so I just thought, you know, take, take my aggression out somewhere else that it's an Alan Reed, but I just thought, you know, if I jam someone, you know, you can jam someone and get away with it, and Alan would be able to not have to go to court and almost get locked up. But I always used to, like, picture my old man and all the stuff that he, you know, how are you treating me, you know, as a kid growing up, but yeah, took my aggression out, like, playing sport, and yeah, I enjoyed doing it, like, just enjoyed, like, just smashing people in it. And so where along that path did you start to realise that, you know, you'd gone from, as you described yourself, I guess, you know, the crappest bloke in your, or the crappest kid in your team to, you know, realising you would more you could more than hold your own and, you know, make it into those representative sides in Rugby Union? Yeah, well, um, well, because I started playing first grade um, rugby when I was 17, so I always used to just, like, um, challenge myself. I knew that, you know, I'd be playing against, like, men and then the games, like, you know, well, absolutely, like, Shitting myself and far out. I'm playing against this guy, like just the look of it, you know, like full, fully grown men. And then I don't know, I just you know, after after they jam me or something, I was thinking, you know, I want to get back. And then I would like challenge myself and think, you know, like they're, they're coming after me because I can hear them talking, like just legend and just saying, oh, we're going to come after you, you know, like. And then I was thinking, you know, I want to, I'm going to flip the script and go after them and just try and jam like whoever their best player was. But then I'd go after them and just, you know, Lead, like training leading up to it I should just talk about who their best player is if we can shut them down and I'd make my job go, go straight up it didn't matter if it was legal or illegal so you obviously uh, treaded tre- tre- a fairly fine line mate um, alongside those guys with the whistle but uh, ma- made it through into some of those representative sides through to that through that physicality and impact you were bringing to the game yeah definitely I think that was one of the things that kind of stood out like in rugby like when I was coming up like you'd be out you're allowed to like rock people you know where you just stomp on people to try and get the ball back yep. I enjoyed that because as soon as someone fell over the wrong side mate it was tap dancing on them you know and I feel the blew the whistle <laughs> I was just getting ripped up each time so yeah. Oh. Yeah, a lot of the game has changed a lot there. I like to, to cut that out. But when I was when yeah, when I was playing at that time, you could do that. You know, that tap dance, you could 
mistake came on the wrong side. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've played with a few guys myself who, uh, when I played my rugby union, who their eyes would light up when someone had rolled to the wrong side of the ruck and they could just have a good scrape at their back with some metal studs. Uh, uh, probably probably for the better now for a lot of people's backs and the health, the health of their back skin that um, those things aren't <laughs> happening anymore because you'd see people in some absolute horrors in the shower after some of the old school rugby union yeah. days, wouldn't you? Yeah, 100%. Oh. The shower's probably the scariest bit after the game. You know, you've got a couple of uh, tiger stripes on your back. <laughs> uh, and obviously, the next step, you know, you spent a couple of years playing there at Waratah, as you said, and sort of got through into your, yep. into your early 20s. And I think it was one of your brothers was playing through the lower grades at the Knights and might have encouraged Brian Smith when he was starting to look outside the box at the Knights and maybe take a look at you. Yeah, it was just, it was just by chance. Like people just, um, yeah, they still can't believe how, how it came about. Like um, yeah, My younger brother, Larry, was um, playing 20. Um, like it was just league back then. And, um, Brian Smith just uh, signed his post and they had like a meeting. Um, and they were just talking about Brian Smith asking, you know, he's new to the town and if any of the playing group knew anyone that cut it like playing NRL to um, let him know. My brother, you know, gave him, like I said, yeah, my brother Mark gave him my details and that and uh, went from there. He didn't tell me, like, uh, like he didn't come back and tell me, oh, that's Brian Smith. Like it was just, yeah, it's like chance that I was at his house one day and like I think we were playing maybe six o'clock in his phone ring. And then, um, yeah, I was number I didn't know. I didn't recognise that. Uh, oh, you know, when you see a number, you know, you think it's either Kelly Master or someone trying to sell stuff. But I didn't want to pick it up. And then, yeah, I eventually picked it up, the lowest mark. And then, yeah, um, Brian Smith was on the other line. And he just introduced himself and said who he was. And, you know, if I was interested in coming to, um, you know, do a training trial, on, like training trial, come to do the pre-season, see um, if I can um, have it playing in our And I just laughed. <laughs> I said, yeah, one. And I just hung up, hung up the phone. <laughs> Because <laughs> I thought it was a stitcher. Because um, at the time, I think I just um, just finished playing. Um, we just won the grand final at Waratah, playing rugby. And then I signed with Desnock to play the next year. I used to go in it, and I just signed with them. And I thought it was one of the boys who started picking me up. Because I knew that, you know, one of the rugby boys picked me up because I knew that I was going over to play Desnock. And I thought they were just getting me up. So I just, uh, yeah, yeah, good one. And I just hung it up. And then his other guy goes, oh, I'm just one of the boys. I'm taking a few saying he's Brian Smith. And then his brother goes, no, 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 I'll go. He's like, you didn't even give me the heads up or anything. He's going, no, no, I'll go. I gave, I gave him your number. He said he was going to ring you. I said, oh. You know, I was in the panic kind of thinking, should I ring him back? So I looked to yes, but ring him back. Or if I ring him back, is he trying to ring me? And it's engaged. So I didn't know what to do. And then I just rose for a bit and then eventually rang back. And then, uh, yeah, I was just so apologetic on the phone. I was like, and I probably could own it and then he just <laughs> introduced it mate that's the first time I've ever been hung up on offering a guy an opportunity to play NRL <laughs> and then yeah, yeah we just got so I laughed at him and oh, I was probably on the side but I just, I just said to him I said I'm really really sorry I supported my boys by, by kicking me up and then he just um, just gave me the details you know when pre-season and, um, and if I was keen I forget yeah, yeah and I so- apologise I guess, yeah, it would have been, been an interesting one, as you say, a very un, unexpected phone call. What, what were you doing with yourself at that point? And, you know, did you did you have to sort of balance that with work or what was the story at that stage for you? Yeah, I was just concreting with uh, one of my mates concrete in business at the time. So I was just doing just some labour and work. And then, um, yeah, just had to kind of balance that with trying to do the pre-season as well. Because I was just, um, uh, they were doing the pre-season because they're, I was training with the grade, so I was training with my brother on that, and there's the training varies from, you know, starting in the morning, or we could be training in the afternoon. So I was just trying to find that balance, try and get there, but um, because I knew I was getting older, I didn't want to pass up on the opportunity, so I want to, you know, um, take every opportunity when I can, and when I was able to train, I'd try and make it, and then my friends that I was concreting uh, with, they were really good, and they helped me out, you know, with, with working that. Um, if I had to go and miss a day here, they'd say, let that day. 
Yeah, so I guess, I guess obviously then you, you got through that pre-season and it was heading into what are we heading into 2007 at this point yep. and obviously you were training and, and playing with the reserve grade squad. When did you find out that you were going to make your debut? Uh, you made your debut in, in the end of April there in 2007. What, who told you and I guess, yeah, how did that come about? Yeah, it was um, it was Brian. He, he told me. Um, but, you know, his story is about Brian, how he doesn't want people to, to know. Like you like to keep it, uh, keep it, uh, like that. Uh, tell me not say anything. Like just tell, just tell my family members, obviously. Um, but uh, I, I kind of found out like, maybe halfway through the week. So I didn't even know the English. So um, myself and uh, my good mate Jesse Royal debuted on the same game, and it was um, ironically it was against the Sharks. He told us a couple of days before, so then I just told, told my family, and just um, just, you know, just that's when the nerves started kicking as well. I was uh, and it was a home game as well, so you know, family was coming by. Yeah, certainly can imagine the nerves would have been for someone who'd grown up here would have been pretty significant. And yeah, as you say, uh, took the field against the Sharks and, and got a win for your first one. So uh, that must have been a nice, nice feeling to come off after your first NRL game. And as you say, debuting with a mate as well, which is uh, not the most common of occurrences for a lot of people. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Like uh, you understand, like you know, when I watch it now and these people debuting, I'm always think, oh, you know, like all that's going through their head is you know that the nerves would be fine everywhere, but. Just you just want to win because you know no matter where you go no matter like wherever you take you know, everyone's always going to ask you oh who's you today for again and then the second question that comes up is did you win you know, like, and I was like oh hopefully we win was just, like, I was just hoping that we won and it was at home as well in front of uh, family and friends so I just really wanted to get the win because I, know, I knew that was just going to be you know a life life changing you know um, and happening yeah, lovely mate. And um, obviously, over the next next couple of years, it took you a little bit before you sort of really solidified your spot, sort of in the back end of two thousand and eight. And how did you feel? I guess once you got into that position of two thousand eight and then two thousand and nine, I think you played pretty much every game. When when you got to that point from going, I guess of being you know a fringe or an alternate player who comes in when someone's out to you know earning that spot and look through the records for two thousand and nine, and pretty much every week you you're running out there in the red and blue in that number eight jersey and, and sort of made it your own. Yeah. It was crazy. It was a crazy time. Like um, I still can't believe like I got the opportunity and I'm not home down. Um, but I, I couldn't have done it without all the players that I've played with. Like they've really helped helped me out. Like I've never been like lucky. They're the most talented person, but I was always willing to learn and listen. That's, that's the thing to listen. You know, people that have more experience, more you know, just trying to pick their brain and um, you know, just see how see what makes them tick and see what what works for them. I'll take a bit here and see if you know works for me. If it doesn't, then I you know I'll try it. But um, the, the big thing for me was. Just, you know, just, just trying to be a sponge and just soak it all up, all the knowledge that I can get. Yeah, there were some great people that, like, great teammates on my that I've really benefited. Help, help me out. And, you know, the person that really stuck out, probably Trent Robinson, the coach of Sydney. He, he really, like, that time where I played in 2009, pretty much, like, the whole season, it was all because of Trent. He was the assistant at one, but he just went that extra mile to help me out and just, um, you know, just like when we had our meetings and stuff like that, after we had our team meetings and briefings and that, I'd always catch up Trent Robinson and we'd always do stuff and he'd always like set some goals for me and go through the tape and, you know, just dissect everything that I'm doing right and then, you know, things that I'm doing. Yeah, you know, that yeah, that coach's mindset comes from way back, but yeah, I'll put it all. Yeah, obviously, and, and it seems to be a key thread having those key supports and you know those those people. And we've obviously seen what Trent's gone on to. So you know, you, you got in early on on someone who yeah. knew obviously what they were doing in terms of you know man management and supporting a player. So I mean, it's great, great, I guess, for you to have had that. And you talked about 2010, uh, the end of the 2010 NRL season. You probably ticked off what was another a checkbox that 
I, you, you probably hadn't even contemplated when you were running around over, over at Woodbury Oval there playing for the Warriors and that was getting selected to, to play for Samoa. Yeah, I've always I've always wanted to do that just to, just to represent uh, my heritage and, and my family. You know, like I, I'd never, you know, I'd always be grateful for the opportunity to, to don that um, sort of Samoa jersey, but um, to actually get the opportunity to, to do it, or, it was unbelievable. Uh, yeah, just, I always, like, I'm, I'm massive, like, I'm looking at the emblem, but I put jersey on because I always, you know, something really stuck out in my head. You, know, you always think of the people that have worn jersey representing you know that, that emblem before you put it on don't want to you know disrespect the jersey or the pub or whatever I didn't get so you know there was something special that to get that awesome. I can imagine it certainly would be to represent that, that heritage that's obviously fairly important to, to yourself and the family and yeah being able to go and, and as you say wear that jersey with pride and you, you Samoan career didn't necessarily get off to the, the best start you came up against the, the might of New Zealand and uh, it was a, a bit of a lopsided one but the week later you got to turn out for your second game and got a, a comfortable win over Tonga do you have many recollections of that game? Yeah, like, um, you know, people from the outside looking in, easy as the best way to describe Samoa versus Tonga is like New South Wales between that is like, you know, the hate that they have for each other, you know, state versus state, mate versus mate, is exactly the same as Tonga versus Tonga. Maybe even, maybe even bigger. I'm going to go out there and say it, I reckon it's bigger. Like just, the, um, just the passion, you know, like uh, those countries we don't have, you know, don't have much money or much resources, but you know, given the opportunity to represent country and do your family proud, they do, they like, they kill for each other, you know, like you kill for your teammate all out for so to get an opportunity to play like and before I played that game I just had them yeah this week to come in and think about what it's like and uh, like represent Samoa versus Iron and how much it means to our people it's a massive 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 thing and you can't you can't get the nerve let the nerve get to you otherwise you'll just be like uh, even when you form you know your different style before you play you know you can't just you know bottle it all up and give you know give you all there and you can't just you know put it all away you sort of do it for the next 80 minutes after that walk I can imagine it'd be, it'd be something pretty phenomenal and, and as you say, fairly emotion um, charged and, and, a, and a real battle. And I think that's what brings people a lot of the time. And those of us who aren't, you know, from the Pacific Islands still love uh, nothing more than watching a couple of Pacific Island sides go toe to toe because it's always physical and it's always nothing left out there. So to be involved in that would be absolutely phenomenal for yourself. Uh, and we might, while we're on the Samoan stuff, we might jump ahead a little bit before we get on to your time at the Sharks. And 2013, you had the opportunity again to represent Samoa, but in a World Cup now over in yep. uh, the UK. How was that? experience yeah. played four games obviously uh had some mixed results um some probably good ones considering the expectations that might have been on the team going in yeah oh it, I was that was probably an experience of a lifetime ever I thought I'd you know get the opportunity to be to go over and see England and we um we had a game against France as well in Perpignan so we're in South France so it was just really good like um I've never really traveled unless it was through football and some great people around you know because Football, but um, yeah, when that that World Cup was, you know, it was, it was something special. Um, like we played New Zealand the first game. Um, they were they were dusting stuff, but then we, you know, put in a um, mini fight back there, and um, you know, scored a couple of tries just to blow it out even more. But um, I thought it was a good uh, game by boys. But a lot of people don't know that we should have uh, when we went to France. I'm not sure if anyone's ever said before, but um, we should have that team should have been kicked out of the whole World Cup. Uh, we had a fight in uh, within our own team, and everyone was fighting each other. So um, I think it was like a couple couple of days before the game. So I think half of the playing group wanted to go home because uh, it was just like uh, we went out we went out for dinner once by um, one time and boys you know had a few few drinks and then you know a few drinks led to some you know talking and then. People were just like, you know, just getting real aggressive, and then then the uh, then the office started coming out saying, "You want to do something? Do something then." <laughs> and then it was just on. It was just on. And the boys were like, um, 
I'm just surprised that the, the person well, yeah, I don't know, Branson, you know, they couldn't really speak English or that. I understand, yeah. but boy, it's in the same group. I think uh, we, we would have, uh, if we didn't fix it the next day, we we're supposed to train the next day. But we end up having like a CNN conversation. We just sat in the team room, just sorted it all out. Because half, half wanted to go, jump on the plane and go, go home just to get that World Cup. And then half wanted to go. So, yeah, the boys had, we had a massive fight. Our biggest fight. Everyone was just fighting each other. <laughs> There's some big, but, there's some big yeah. boys in that team too, mate. So. Yeah. Oh, it was like, yeah, it was the point where the casual wouldn't even come, like, stop, pick you up. But I was trying to, I was trying to, like, um, break through bars, get them over there, get some people to another area, get them in the cab. But no cab wanted to pull over. So then the boys, they'd see them over there and they'd pull them over there and just fight them again. Mm. So we just fought, like, everyone fought each other. And, um, yeah, I just could not believe. I couldn't, I was thinking, oh, we, we are not going to be playing this <laughs> week. I honestly thought for sure we're not playing. So that's, that's how bad it was. Yeah, and that day was, yeah. We need a pin drop on the bed. Yeah. Who wants to go? Obviously worked out all right in the end, mate. Um, you did get a, a pretty comfortable win, and knocking off France, as you said, in France is, is no mean feat. Um, while they're not the you know world beaters of New Zealand, they're certainly no one to be laughed at. Most of their players are playing professionally in the Super League and these sorts of things. So they've got a win like that, and, and a pretty comfortable one after such a tumultuous time is probably a pretty good oh. reflection on how you got the, t- the team came back together, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know who was watching over. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if they all went to church or something. But <laughs> yeah, it was, it was it was an awesome win because we just um I think we just left it like the next the next day like it took us probably the whole day. We didn't train that day. We just um tried to sort it all out and then it was all sorted. Um, there was a few times people wanted to fight again, but we eventually got around it. And then the next day we trained trained the house down and then we just went into the game. Because, you know, I think I think it just brought us this close. And once we crossed that white line in France, if anyone fell wearing uh, like their traditional French colours, did anyone? I'm wearing those colours with this jam, jam, whoever, like even just off the board, just like give us one, like even just French people were spitting on us like half time, so they thought we were so dirty. Yeah. And so I said, we'll just, you know, send, 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 a, uh, send a message straight away, so if anything off the board, just jam after it, to let them know that we're there. And then we got the win, just amazing. Yeah, well, look, look, looking at the scorecard from that day, I think it was six all at half time, and you obviously ran away in the second half. But the penalty count it says here seventeen to nine. So obviously, um, yeah, as you said, take no prisoners was the attitude when you were out there. Yeah, hundred percent. I think uh, I think I don't know. Uh, Mossy Masoy might have, uh, you know, might have uh, contributed to that penalty count. I think he might have got simbed in the score. He did. He got simbed in, in that one. Yeah. Yeah, it was just jamming people after the ball. Like, cause that's all we, that was our mindset. Just hit anything that moves. They like, give the ball like, just give it to them, like, even if the ball's gone. Cause then they'll just be looking. They'll be looking for us all game. So that was our mind. Yeah. Just to get under the skin. Yeah. Obviously paid off, as you say. You got the win there. And, mate, uh, as you say, a great opportunity for yourself and those other players who have represented Samoa in a World Cup. And fortunately, it didn't end on the, on the sour note, as you touched on, and ended on a much more positive one. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess the, the other stage of your, your professional career as well, mate, uh, after your, your years at the, the Knights, you uh, come the end of 2011, I think it was, you made the move and, and headed down to Sydney and moved to the Sharks. What, what prompted the, the leaving of the Knights? And, and why the sharks? I just um, I just got uh, my manager just told me I said, heard that uh, Wayne Bennett, so I knew he was coming. Um, but then when we, like the new coach was coming, and then I was thinking, oh, you know, I just I thought I'd bring that um, that checking and see because I'd signed like the year before, so I'm on a two year deal, and I'm just thinking like this new coach comes for that, like I kind of scrap everything, mm-hmm. um, start fresh or like a contract and that, it was just still valid. Um, and then he was just telling me um, that they shot players around like. 
location of the point, you can shop you around or you can pay. Whatever you've been promised with your contract, you can, like, you'll still get. But, you know, if the coach doesn't want you there, they'll do, you know, they'll do anything else to try and break you or, you know, you know do the right thing and, and release you. So I didn't know at the time. Like, so, um, I was just thought, you know, everything's always bringing, like, they're all good. Like, it's Wayne coming. And I was actually looking forward to it. It's the best coach on the game coming to, you know, to coach Newcastle. So I was thinking, oh, he's going to coach us. And then the manager told me that, you know, I'm being shopped around. So then I was just trying to hit, trying to hit home. You know, like, I felt like a reject. You know, like, so he didn't want me. And then, um, yeah, just, um, my manager was just saying, you know, you can, you can stay. The option is, you know, you just play in the third grade for your whole, the whole year. So then I'll just, you know, just be unhappy and then, you know, just take the enjoyment out. Otherwise, the other option is you can, you know, you can release you and go find a new club and then I'll release you from your final contract. And then, you know, my man is weighed up, getting a bit older. You know, maybe I should, you know, try and look for another deal because after I'll stay at the night, you know, finish that next year. You know, they probably won't sign me or another club won't sign me because I'm that year older. So he's just trying to shop me around and um, the Sharks, you know, offered me, you know, a CUB or something um, straight away. So that was that extra year on top of what I would have got at the night. So you know, I just waited up, um, did some stupid stuff as well, which didn't help the cause as well. Like for me, um, going on Twitter and stuff like that, um, you know, voicing my opinion and being a complete dick about it, um, you know, calling him a mind ball on Twitter, you know, when I was um, intoxicated on, on a mad Monday and that. So um, that didn't help as well. So yeah, I just took the deal with the Sharks. So I, was, I was looking forward to it. I've never been out of Newcastle before, you know, Newcastle born and bred. Yep. Um, so it was just a, an opportunity to, you know, through through league that you know can take me and see you know another part of um Sydney so yeah, I'll talk to you. Yeah, and as you say, you went down there. Uh, there's the 2012 season. Uh, it didn't take long, mate. And you established yourself. Uh, pl- plenty of uh, decent names in that side too. Around that time, you obviously had you know uh, Wade Graham and Todd Carney. Paul Gallon was going around at that time, and uh, you know back row sort of guys and, and forward pack that you're competing with: Ben Ross, Jeremy Smith, Anthony Tupo, uh, Sam Tagatizzi. Like a lot of big names for you to be competing with, but you managed to establish yourself in that squad as well. Yeah. It was good. It was it was a good challenge. Like um, I wasn't promised anything there, and I just uh, just like it's almost like done done again. You know, like when I first started, you know, learning again, learning some new systems and how they train, and you know, different different training regime, different like um, strength and conditioning coach. But it was just like you know, new first day of school, just starting again. I met some some good good folks there as well. Like um, yeah, got along with everyone. So uh, it was a good opportunity, and, you know, to see the Shire as well. Shire is just Newcastle, but closer to Sydney. That's all. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a, lot, a lot of similarities, isn't there, uh, between the two areas? Uh, although there's only one Northies, and that's definitely in Cronulla, mate. I'm sure you found your way there a couple of times. <laughs> oh, I tried to stay away from there, but, you know, you end up going in sports, but, yeah, it's, it's an awesome. Yeah, it, it, it is. But as we've seen previously, some people can find themselves uh, in a little bit of strife there over the years. But um, we'll leave that well enough alone. Uh, <laughs> 2012 was a pretty good year at the Sharks as well. You made your way back to the finals. Uh, obviously got knocked out in the qualifying finals. But um, how was that uh, first year at the new club, making it into the finals? And I guess, you know, know, knowing that you're up amongst the contenders at that point. Yeah, it was, it was good to make it. Uh, we we're, were pretty disappointed because um, of the playing group that year, 2012, was uh, like, we just we're around that four fifth position, and then we just went on a real bad run, like before the finals, and we end up finishing eight. I think it was either seventh or eight. And like our goal was to try and make you know make the top four so that we could get two two cracks there. So um, you know any anything outside of that, we just felt disappointed about how we played that. So um, you know it's fun. It's fun. I was the coach, and you know he just um, we just, we just went down to Canberra and you know Canberra and Canberra, you know semi final footy as well. Like we, we started off well, but they just um, they grew us fast at the end. 
But um, yeah, the boys are pretty disappointed with how Howard. Yeah, and that, they obviously had a stack side at that stage. Certainly in the outside backs, you know, you had Sandorell, Blake Ferguson, Croker, Robinson, and Dugan as their back five. So going down yeah. to Canberra and playing them uh, on a Sunday afternoon, uh, well, better than a Saturday night in Canberra, certainly isn't isn't an easy feat. So yeah, uh, moving on, mate. 2013, which would end up being your final season in the NRL, only two appearances with the Sharks, but um, in the in the NRL grade, certainly had some silver linings playing New South Wales Cup. Yeah, yeah, it was um, it, it was it was one of those years where just I don't know, just couldn't couldn't play. We had a, we had a real good squad, um, strong squad. Um, so you know, I was, and it was it was my final year as well. So instead of you know dragging the bottom looking around, I thought you know I was going to rip in like with our register. We had a real real stacked register as well. So we had like the storm beater as well. So a few of the storm players came over. They went on to play the majority of those storm players that came. Um, they all went on to play first grade the last. Um, so yeah, we had a real, real good like um, the World Cup. Out. Um, we, we, if we had that, you know, that challenge now where they play the best ones, then I reckon we could beat any team in that twenty twelve. Yeah, certainly. As you say, not not only the fact that you had an absolute plethora of depth at the Sharks, but you had those Storm players coming in as well. So I think from recollection, it might have been Chad Townsend that led you around in the grand final. Yep. And yeah, certainly, you know, the depth that you guys had in the back row as well, when uh, and and the forwards with, you know, I think the back, the, the you know, Gallon for feeder Lewis, those sorts of players all featuring in the top grade. Anyone that's not, you know, in front of them is you still have plenty of depth pushing through and minor major premiers in 2013. So uh, a bit of a silver lining, as we said, to that end of your time at the Shark. Once that came to an end, what was what were the options that presented to you at that point? Did you have options to continue your career elsewhere, or was it always time to come home? Um, I had like a, uh, I had like an option like at um, the beginning of 2013. Um, my manager rang me said that uh, the Tigers will offer me to go there straight away uh, like make a two-year deal. So I was to leave straight away, but I was like, yeah, I want to stay and try and try and get this um, get this back like back into this you know this quality team um, 2013 um, at the Sharks, but uh, it didn't go that way. Um, uh, once we finished, I was because oh, I went to the World Cup, I got back, I had an opportunity to go play with the London Broncos uh, over in the Super League. And then um, like my daughter was just, just about to start kindergarten. So um, I didn't want to go take my family up over there to, to um, England. And then she started school. And then, you know, I only stayed there for getting old well. I only stayed there for two years and then I up there and then come back in. So start square one again, you know, making friends and settling into a thing. But I thought the best thing for me was just to come home and then, you know, try and try maybe play play some local footy while the body still felt good. So I um, made the decision just to, just to come back home and run some skills out there to see you know, where I could play. So obviously once you came back and Newcastle Rugby League was the, the primary option for you and you obviously made made it a quite a, you know, a number of years out of that, running through to, to a, a good note last year. And, and what made your decision in terms of choosing where you went when you came back to, to Newcastle. Um, cause I, cause I just uh, like I was gonna go go to Curry because I was talking with Jesse Royal. Um, uh, and then uh, I just like, I wanted just to get straight into work. Like as soon as, <clears throat> as, soon as I uh, got back from the World Cup, um, I just wanted to like go in straight into work. So um, West Office was like, yeah, a job working in the gym. Like I've always um, been interested in working in the gym. So um, that 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 just kind of sealed it. So I was just working in the gym and just like still teaching like group fitness classes and that. Um, I've always enjoyed that. I want to try and keep fit, um, not only for footy, but you know, for, for life after footy as well. 
Yeah, no, it makes sense. And as you say, coming back, uh, you got to sort of take care of that other off the field side because it's no longer a full time approach. Uh, but uh, a few years there at West, and um, you know, plenty of success over what would what would then turn out to be was it six years that you spent at West, leading into last year being 2019 with the big win in the grand final. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's been it's been amazing. Like, um, yeah, like footy, like sports in general. Like, you, you know, cross paths with some great people. I've just been blessed to um, cross paths with some amazing people along the way, and uh, and the story's the same at West. Like, I've got some, you know, some lifelong friends with, you know, through footy, and um, yeah, West West has been, you know, it's a great club um, and a strong, strong crowd club as well. But um, yeah, it's just just a good way, just icing on the cake to finish the weight up last year. Yeah, it certainly was, and um, you know, obviously there's a lot up in the air at the moment with local footy. But uh, is that uh, is that the end of Mark Tafua's playing days? We're not going to see you back again, or no? Nah, just I'll come and play like some charity stuff. So I do some, I do uh, like play on. Um, I play for the Memorial Bears, yep. which uh, in recognition of um, you know, bowel cancer. So just raising awareness of bowel cancer. So um, just just represented that. Um, yeah, the Dave family. Um, Josh Day, he he, uh, he he gets full credit with uh, what he does with this uh, with this team, and we just you know whatever we're playing, we've got um, all for a good sport, and we just you know just out there raise our cancer. You know, for people that you know lost lost up lost my mum uh, through bowel cancer, and, and Josh's lost brother, so you know we just come together and you know just get out there and you know great sport that we play rugby league. We just get out there and just raise awareness and you know, get a get a few guys from different walks of life playing as well. So it's really good. Yeah, they they certainly do some good stuff with the MD Memorial Bears, as you say, raising that awareness and they've been involved in a few local tournaments, including the, the Curry Nines over the last couple of years. And yeah, it's great to see what the Day Boys are doing there with that. So now with that being, I guess, your only only playing commitment for want of a better term, what's uh, what's day-to-day life looking like for you, mate? And um, is there going to be other involvements on different levels with footy? Like, will you be involved in coaching or coming from that gym world? Is the strength and conditioning stuff appeal to you? What's the, the future looking like for Mark Tafua? I'm just going to be a netball dad now. <laughs> 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 um, no, I'm just going. To, I just want to kind of step away from it, like um, step right away from it, because otherwise you get that itch and you want to play again. So I'm just going to step right away from it. Just yeah, like you said, just just be a netball dad. Like my wife probably has been me for for a while. Like I'm always like training, like with footy training, and on the weekends, like you now I'm always away with footy and that. So it's just it's just been good. Like um, yeah, like we get a chance to do some stuff here. I'm finally doing the jobs that I said I'd do once I finish playing footy around now. <laughs> but um, yeah, just just more family time and then just step away. From footy for for a year, we um and then yeah, go from there. Like I'm more just gonna you know be around to help people with that need. Just you know, I feel like yeah, just to give you know the knowledge that I've learned, you know, like to other people, you know, and, and just um you know give them some advice when I can. So that's that's what it's all about. So yeah, lovely mate, and, and I, I think yeah. that's a, a good a good approach to it. Obviously, uh, as you say, give back some time to um your your lovely wife, who's obviously been uh, long suffering uh, with you, you away on the weekends, and and probably just you know getting those jobs done herself so the list isn't too long when you eventually did hang up the boots, mate. Oh, mate, it's, I think it's a book. It's a book. <laughs> <laughs> like a Lord of the Rings, the novel is, uh, yeah. <laughs> just go through one page at a time. <laughs> just keep, keep chipping away at it, mate. And, um, yeah, yeah. As, as you say, uh, just to have, you, have your eye in and, and where, where you can pass it on that advice and those sorts of bits of support and, you know, enjoy the, enjoy the netball. It uh, won't take as much of a toll on the, on the body for your girls as, as footy probably has for yours. Uh, but, yeah, it's certainly been great to have you on the show today, mate. Uh, really good to get a little bit of an insight into what's been a, a tough upbringing and a, and a unique path to the NRL. Uh, not many guys, uh, as you say, 
they uh, have hung up on a coach when he's rung up to offer them almost out of the blue a, an opportunity to, to, to train with an NRL squad. But you can be the one man who's got that string to your bow. So uh, we, we appreciate your time today on the show, mate. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, look forward to maybe seeing you around on the hill at uh, either Harker Oval or Fred Harvey Oval for uh, a beverage during the year. Yeah, definitely. No worries. Thanks for having me, Chris. Appreciate it. That was, of course, Cronulla Sharks and Newcastle Knights former player and Samoan international Mark Tafua. Uh, a really interesting story there. We do thank him for his time. Really appreciate uh, him coming on the show. And a big thank you to our major sponsor, Newey Threads, who bring all these episodes to you. Uh, we'll continue to with these League Castle Legends series. We've got a couple more lined up to come to you in the coming weeks, and we'll look forward to announcing them on the page. If you've got some suggestions for uh, a local footballing icon or, or former NRL star that's connected to our area that you'd love to hear from, let us know and we'll try and get in touch with them. Uh, but otherwise, keep on tuning in and we look forward to rejoining you shortly with another League Castle Legends episode. We go to King. King will barge over. Will he get it down? Yes, he does. There's the premiership. Wilson. Runs to the line, he's got Buxton with him, it's been put on the toe. It's gonna to be to try. Joy Jobson's got the try. Window get their second. You're listening to Lee Castle, Newcastle Hunters home rugby league.